Green Diva's heart wildlife. Who can resist all those videos and images of adorable baby animals? But sometimes these adorable creatures really need our help. Let's celebrate wild animals, learn about them, and do what we can to help them. Well, this is actually, I love this guy. I, I just talked to him for the first time a couple of minutes ago, and I already love him. Dr. Charles Rawlings, he's a classic overachiever. Uh, he's a neurosurgeon, a lawyer, magnificent underwater photography, which is a bit of what we're going to talk about specifically. He's an author and a father, and he has a teenage girl who I'm sure is fabulous, but, you know, um, among his other kids, he's got twin boys, Anybody with a teenage girl gets extra credit. Hi, Dr. Rawlings. Hi, Meg. Thanks very <laughs> much for that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> kind of bizarre, but you, you know you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about, believe me. And it's all good. So, um, you know, I and for anybody who wants to, I think your website, livingshells.com, That's uh, correct. That's one of them, yeah. yeah. One of them. But But if you go there, you can see some of the fantastic underwater photographs that he's taken of shells and and talk to us a little bit about a how you got into it and then what living shells means sure um i suppose that my interest in shells living or just the seashells themselves began when i was a kid i always used to walk the beach and pick up empty seashells as most people do these days they know what a seashell is right and i always wondered about them and because they're these little beautiful miniature creations and actually when i was a, a little older still a kid i found that there were things living in these shells and not hermit crabs <laughs> but yeah. like real things yeah um so that was always in the back of my mind i, I became certified to dive back in 1981 and after I dove for about a year, I was completely taken by the underwater world and the patterns, the shapes, the colors, um, all that. So I started into photography. Mm. And I first started doing what almost everyone starts doing is macro photography and then reefscapes and tried to photograph fish and things like that. Right. Um, and one night, I typically do a lot of night diving, I started seeing these shells. At and night? What, do you have special lights when you go night diving? You do. Um, you've got, obviously, they're waterproof, and they're, back then, uh, they didn't have halogen lights. They were just big, 6D, <laughs> right. battery-operated headlight things. Wow. Um, that didn't have as much light as the halogens these days, but yeah. you can still see pretty decent stuff. And I would find these shells... Um, crawling across the sand or the reef or wherever you, you may be diving. Wow. So I started taking photographs of these shells. And over the course of a couple of years, I started looking into other books, photography books, uh, scientific books, and there were, there were no good photographs, no good art photographs, I should say, yeah. of living shells. And so I made it... Um, and a goal of mine to photograph living shells for 
more than one reason. First, from an artistic standpoint, they are amazingly exquisite. I mean, people yeah. just don't realize when they take up a shell in their hand what the animal looks like, what, a, what, a, what an artistic creation this shell is. Well, or even, you know, when you find like a, a nicely shaped shell and it's all dry and, you know, whatever, you you don't realize all of the stuff that, that is around it when it's alive with the animal, right? No, absolutely not. And just to take a, a good example, everyone knows what a conch is, or I shouldn't say everyone, but most people know what conchs are. They eat conch right. fritters. They've probably been to Florida and seen yep. the queen conch and all that. When you look at the animal... What typically comes out are the eyes. Yeah. And if you do a little research and you get do macro photography of the eyes, the eyes themselves are built much like the human eye. Hmm. And using experimental techniques where they take the, the strombus eye and, and take photographs through it, it turns out that these conchs actually have as good a vision as humans do. Wow. They're a little different in terms of, um, you know, maybe some abstract or some convexity, but it's pretty much the same. So when you're looking at them, they're looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> and and the reason they have such good eyesight is because they have a fair number of predators. Yeah. Uh, and so they want to be able to see these things coming. So you've been doing this for quite a number of years. Have you seen a difference in... I don't want to say the quantity, but in, in, you know, due to environmental change or any other kind of changes that have gone on over the years, have you noticed any difference? Absolutely, and that's, that's one of the other reasons that I got into photographing these particular animals is because they are decreasing, mm. um, and they're decreasing for any number of reasons. First, just overall, the coral reefs themselves are somewhat in danger, yeah. all the way from global warming to cyanide fishing, dynamite fishing. What is cyanide fishing? Ah, cyanide fishing is where um, there's a demand, obviously there's a demand for saltwater aquarium fish. And so instead of painstakingly taking a slurp gun and collecting individual fish, the, the native folks will go and dump a weak concentration of cyanide onto the reef, and it paralyzes just a tremendous number of fish. Oh, my God. But it also weakens them, and so I think the mortality rate in the aquarium trade with cyanide-fished fish is between 60 and 70%. Oh, that's so, just crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, and so I don't bemoan folks keeping saltwater aquariums, but cyanide fishing, um, you know, obviously reputable aquarium stores won't collect or use cyanide fishing, but some of the, the Internet folks do. Right. And, you know, a lot of, I mean, it's, once they wake up from the cyanide, you can't really tell the difference. Uh, <laughs> um, There's a thousand reasons that's wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, the dynamite fishing, uh, they just toss dynamite, sticks of dynamite in, and the concussion paralyzes, blows out the air bladders, whatever, and they just pick the fish up, and that's for eating. But it it, it doesn't stop there. Um, 
they use, or a lot of the developing countries use the coral reefs as, like, cement. Yeah, um, yeah. What I understand, the air, the uh, the runway on a couple of the Maldive islands is made from the coral reef right off the right off the island itself. Yeah, yeah. Now, have you ever heard? Just I don't. This may be completely off the topic, but uh, uh, of anything called living reefs, where you would dedicate. Um, a deceased per I would dedicate my body, for instance. I would get cremated, and then they would put it with some form of cement, and then add it to the coral reefs. It's supposed to be helping regrow. I don't. Is that true? Uh, I've not heard that about the reefs. I have heard that where folks do it and they plant a redwood or sequoia or something like that. Yeah, no, check it out. We were we were learning about this a couple of years ago, and it's done obviously in in. Uh, uh, ocean areas where there are reefs, like down in Florida, for instance, you can have your self put into some kind of cement ball that is friendly with the coral reef and helps grow coral reef around it. Yeah, like I said, I've not heard that. I mean, there are certainly cement balls, cement blocks, where people, you know, the artificial reefs that they put on the sand and yeah. they're pretty quickly colonized by corals and sponges and all that, so it makes sense. Well, apparently they need help. Oh, they need a lot of help, absolutely. Wow. So are you advocating and trying to help raise awareness with your book and your photographs and your, um, you know, uh, your interest in these things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've given lectures at the Explorers Club and uh, radio interviews and Audubon Society, things like that. Um what people also don't recognize or don't probably don't know is that as the water temperature warms with global warming yeah. and the ocean water, the temperature is raising, it's, yeah. it's, it's on the rise, the shells themselves have problems concentrating calcium carbonate from the water to make their own shells. Really? So it's much like the, the silent spring, the DDT, and the, yeah. and the bird eggs. Uh, the shells become very fragile. Huh. Well, you know, it's just all these things that that we we are we're not aware that are happening. So I'm really glad that you're taking this time and this interest, obviously sharing your beautiful artwork, but um, uh, to talk about it because I, I'm telling you, this is not something that I would have thought much about. But it 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 doesn't entirely surprise me, sadly. And and people go, okay, well, what's what's the value in a living shell? Well. From an economic standpoint, uh, many times these shells provide protein to islanders. Right. And right. not only islanders. I mean, we eat mussels and oysters and yep. clams and yeah. conchs and all that. Uh, but also there are some very specific shells. It's called One of them is called the, the triton trumpet that eats what's known as um, crown of thorn starfish. Huh. And the crown of thorn starfish eat coral reefs. And so if you collect these triton trumpets for their shells and endanger them, the, and the coral reefs yeah. it, it massively explodes and you start having reefs eaten by starfish. Well, it's just another example of how we are kind of messing with an ecosystem that has – you'd like to think it's not that fragile, but – you know, everything has an effect, right? Everything has a uh, an impact. 
I don't think it's that fragile. Um, I think if we left everything alone, it would quickly balance itself. Okay. But, so, yeah. um, that was my next it, question is what, what can we do to pay attention and help? Yeah, I, personally, I say leave it alone. Yeah. Um, don't mess with stuff. Yeah. Don't mess with stuff you don't know about. <laughs> That's kind of a good policy in general, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, and, we, and it's like you say, we're messing with the ecosystem. Well, everybody, we have to wrap this up, and I literally could talk to you all day f- for lots of reasons. But um, folks should go to which website should, would you prefer they go to? Uh, to see the best photos, it's livingshells.com. Yeah, and you can learn more about Dr. Rawlings and all his all of his amazing work. But um, I I'm very grateful for this particular work you're doing, and I hope we get to talk to you again soon. Absolutely, I'd be glad to come back and talk to you guys. Keep taking those photographs. I will. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Green Divas Heart Wildlife. Please visit. TheGreenDivas.com, that's T-H-E, GreenDivas.com, to learn more about wildlife, nature, and a whole lot more.